Welcome to the Screaming Into the Mic podcast, a medium normalizing the expression of women's anger. Soraya Jamali writes, gendered ideas about anger make us women question ourselves, doubt our feelings, set aside our needs, and renounce our own capacity for moral conviction. This podcast is where I take a stand and say no more to creating a safe space for women to share their rage in a public forum. I'm your host, Mary Abdul Malik Neal. I'm a musician community developer and feminist activist. Join us for each episode as we talk with women about the struggles they face in work and life. We begin this podcast this season chatting with women in the arts. Thanks for tuning in. Alfie Kalfakis is an artist inspired by play, esoterica, healing trauma, community, and consciousness. Her art is an extension of her solitary spiritual practice and a result of her unyielding captivation with chance and synchronicity. Her work is rooted in a refined, intuitive process and is multidisciplinary. She aspires to use her artwork as a means of breaking down stigmas. Elfie has a passion for female empowerment and mental health advocacy. She was trained as an architect, obtaining her Master's of Architecture from the University of Waterloo. Having practiced both internationally and nationally, she eventually found herself in the field of education. Currently, Elfie is a design communication professor at Conestoga College. She also runs the Magical Little Art Studio, where she teaches art and children's creative studios. Elfie's self-published oracle deck, The White Owl Mystic Arcana, has sold in over 24 countries internationally. She has also published other collections of poetry and graphic art. As a resident astrologer for the independent Waterloo publication, The Community Edition, she hopes to offer insight into the misunderstood world of the occult. Her passion for personal healing and working through trauma has led her to run weekly workshops as a visiting artist with the Sexual Assault Support Center of Waterloo Region. This is Screaming Into the Mic. Elfie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I'm sure we'll get into lots of really great things. But just to start, tell our listeners about your artistic practice. Uh, I think that the best way to talk about my practice is that it's uh, a means of me connecting to something that's beyond me, whether it's my inner self and my trauma or whether it's what some people might call God or consciousness or the source, however you want to sort of phrase it. Um, but it's a definite, it's definitely a really personal endeavor. And I, I really think that it's kind of, a, I kind of say that it's, it's my alchemy. It's my way of uh, processing things and sort of working through stuff that I don't really know what to do with and creating something from it. And having it inform my own self-development as well. So it's uh, it's rooted in my spiritual practice. So I, I sort of identify as a witch and that's a lot of 
there's a lot there's a lot to say there just in that 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 comment itself um but yeah so it's kind of like a magical practice and magic being this sort of personal alchemy of trying to find your truth trying to find yourself and uncover things that you have to either unlearn or don't believe in in yourself and finding finding my roots and finding what I'm supposed to be doing on this planet. Just that. Just that. Yeah, just that. Just, just so simple. Just that. <laughs> um, and how does that come out in like, what kind of medium do you use? And Right. So that's, that's a great question because the medium is always different because I, I, I sort of, so uh, my artistic practice was always kind of something that I did on the side for many years. And it wasn't until I really moved away from traditional institutional religious context that I started to break myself open into seeing things a little bit differently and moved into, you know, being an artist and and identifying as an artist. And uh, so I believe that my work itself through the different studies that I've done, whether independently or through a shaman that I was working closely with, is kind of a conduit for um you know the collective unconscious or my own consciousness to come through so the media always changes because i think the me- the medium is the message right so anytime i'm creating something it's like i'm and i and the way i teach it and everything it's less about the product and it's a lot more about well what needs to come out of me how does it need to come out of me what is the best way to do it so there's different medias that I've used. I, I use traditional, you know, painting illustration. That obviously is something I do a lot of. I do a lot of collaging and digital collaging. Um, and that was actually something that was brought to me after I uh, worked through kind of the birthing trauma that I had with my son. I was, mm-hmm. I kind of fell into collage there and it, it developed into this Oracle deck I designed. Um, and I've done film, I do street art. Like, I, I think that the media is more about, well, how does this message, who's this message for? Where does it need to go? What is it? And what's the best way to deliver it? So it's definitely mixed media, multimedia. Um, and so I, 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 I feel very stifled when I have to stick to one thing. So that's probably a, a kind of a good synopsis of the medias that I would use. And tell us a little bit about our street art, because I know that you've done that in town. So like, tell our listeners sort of how they can um, engage and... Um, yeah, so so street art is something that I've been very interested in. So for the listeners who don't know, my history, like before kind of doing what I do now, I was in architecture and my thesis itself was actually studying how street art has the capacity to change the consciousness of citizens so that we can build better spaces. And if we understand what is out there, then we can start to make better decisions as a community, right? So I was really, really interested in street art through my thesis and I never really got a chance to dive into it. And it wasn't until um, I got fed up with a lot of things that I decided to just be like, Great. I'm going to start putting my art anywhere. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Right? Yeah. So um, anyway, so it's a variety of things. My street art, I tend to want to engage with the public in a very playful way, because I do think like play is a very core part of how I how I work. Um, and I think that connects us to 
to where we where I where I kind of want my work to go to that like pure self. So they're very playful often the pieces. They're um a little tongue in cheek towards institutional um nuances that we might see in different parts of our city and any other city. Um, so a couple of them, there's a few different projects that kind of run through them. A couple of them are just these like magical little alphabets that I've created, which are like symbols that you decode once you scan a little barcode um, or uh, re rebus puzzles that I draw up. Um, other ones that I've done are more, you know, spiritually minded where they're actually magic sigils and a sigil is um, a sigil in uh, traditional spiritual practice, in any spiritual practice is uh, just like a symbol that holds magical capacity. And that means that it has the capacity to change things. So some of the pieces themselves are sigils and I'll place them in and around cities, uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, Southwestern Ontario, wherever I happen to be. Like if I'm traveling, I'll bring them with me and I'll do a little bit of a wheat paste and they're rituals. So I'll post them into the city and kind of hope for the best. <laughs> and sometimes I'll put them, and I have this idea that art, uh, sorry, that magic or sort of consciousness and changing awareness and all that stuff is an energy that travels through media. So if you can connect it to something that already pushes energy through, like an electrical conduit or like an electrical wire or public infrastructure, then you're kind of placing this intention on something that's a highly connective tissue in the urban infrastructure and in hopes of sparking change. So I love that you connect your architecture and your art together in that way. That's really interesting and very unique. Um, so um, walk us through kind of your journey becoming an artist in this community. Um, would you say this is like your home community or we've had a few artists that kind of get transplanted into this community. So curious as to how you feel about this community as home and um, your journey becoming an artist in this, in this place. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I live here. Uh, that's kind of how I, how I view it. I, I live here. I grew up here. I was born here. My parents were both very um, working class, both factory workers, uh, Greek Cypriot immigrants, and uh, we had a we had like you know it was hard for us. We it wasn't easy, especially in the eighties, uh, being a, a dark haired, dark featured person in Kitchener Waterloo, because um, there's a lot there at the time there wasn't as much diversity. Um, there's more now, which is good. Um, and so I went to school here. I went to high school here, and then I went to the Waterloo School of Architecture. And I moved out of my parents' house at the time and just kind of traveled all over the world. And I, I didn't really associate KW as home at the time because I never really felt like I fit in here. Mm. I was always an outsider in high school, um, despite the fact that I was born here, <laughs> which I think is funny. Um, or it felt like that. You know, I didn't feel like I ever really had community here. Um, and so I left. I didn't have any intention of coming back at all. I was not interested in being part of this community because of how kind of narrow-minded it was and sort of seemed kind of like bland and uh, vanilla in, and I love the flavor of vanilla, but like it's sort of <laughs> idea of like the capacity in which it had to create new things and 
provide for an interesting um, urban experience. Um, so I had moved around a lot, uh, lived in Europe, lived in the States, uh, and eventually settled in Toronto with my now husband, um, who was an architect. I had left architecture because I wanted to pursue a more kind of open-ended path. Architecture in itself is another institution that sort of, you know, you have to kind of do certain things and fit into it and then follow this prescribed path. And I just kind of felt a little bit stifled by that. So I went into teaching and learned uh, how to be an art teacher, according to the Ontario Ministry, which is this whole whole thing. Um, But I met some great people um, and kind of opened up uh, new avenues for myself. So kind of started stepping into being an artist in that way um, and understanding that I was an artist and that uh, that is part of how I operate as a human. And then um, we had our son and we were in Toronto and planning to stay there. But, you know, as it happens, uh, finances are not as easy to come by uh, in a big city. (laughs) Right. So we ended up buying a home back in KW, um, which like at the time seemed and it still is like it's an interesting new development in southwestern Ontario. Like there is a cool um, green perspective that they had. We we, we kind of liked the idea of it being sort of like a, an underdog in southwestern <laughs> Ontario. You know, it's like this little town uh, that was growing and had some great new sort of uh, industry coming in. There was sort of this uh, new surgence of, you know, kind of independent thinking in hmm. the you know, there were these new independent non-corporate um, coffee shops and breweries and these kind of things. We're like, okay, you know, it's not it's not an urban metropolitan that we love and are thri- we thrive in. Like I, me and my husband are both creatives that love the hustle and bustle and the sort of spontaneity of an urban center. But, um, but we wanted, we, you know, the stuff that we were doing in Toronto, it, you know, we weren't doing it enough. You know, we were getting older. We were going to have a kid. We weren't going to the galleries as often. We weren't going to concerts as often. We weren't. So we thought, well, you know what? We'll buy a house in KW and we'll start a new life there. It sounds like it's an interesting place to to grow. He wanted to grow his, uh, his design experience. And I wanted to kind of grow into becoming more of a full-time artist. And coming into like a smaller town, at the time and like not a smaller town but a smaller city a mid-sized city uh was different than you know trying to navigate you know toronto the greater toronto area right and i had a, i had an art school and studio there and it was successful like it wasn't that it was something that we were leaving because we we just couldn't figure out how to do it it was just it was just too much Right. So we, we couldn't afford a house there and we just wanted we wanted a little bit more stability. So we moved back and uh, I had my son um, the year that we came back. We bought a, a nice home. We, we were able to afford a, a detached home, <laughs> you know, which uh, is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Not not quite the situation currently that we no. <laughs> find ourselves. No. In. Yeah. This was back in like the the sort of beginning of the 2000s. Right. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, now is my my sort of opportunity to really step into trying to see what it means to be an artist. And um, that's, I think that my experience in that is probably now talking with even my other artist friends in other cities, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> it's not an easy path because it's, uh, it's another institution, right? The institution of 
art, public art especially, when you're connected to like corporate sponsorship and city sponsorship, it's just another system. So it was a lot of kind of hustling. You're constantly trying to keep your head above water. You have to go to the shows. You have to meet the people and know the names and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that's fine. But it was the same stuff that I didn't like about architecture. Mm. It was like, you know, if I had to be a successful architect, I would have to sacrifice everything else in order to really. And I mean, that's not necessarily the complete truth. But it sure feels like that. Right. So, you know, I, I, I've been in, in PW. I've, I've, I've shown at a couple galleries here. I've, I, I have a decent network of people. Um, but it's definitely being an artist that is well-known and, you know, well-picked for certain uh, sort of citywide projects is not really something that I'm kind of... I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but like kind of willing to work for. Yeah. Because then I'm compromising what I want to do with my art, you know? Mm. And, and I think that art is something that, like I was thinking about this question this morning because uh, I know that you had sent me a few of them and I was like, I was like, okay, well, what would I say for this, right? Like, what would I say? And I'd be like, well, art in this city is not any different than art anywhere else. And, and anything, right? Like architecture in the city, like anything related to making money, basically. Because art is something that from the beginning of our educational learnings is not a core subject. Right. So it's an extracurricular. It's not viewed as something that you need to be good at. It's always... Um, icing so we're making cities look pretty and there are some great opportunities in those projects because there are great artists that are putting their work out there and it is meaningful and it's lovely but it's not it's still under an agenda Mm. right and it's still under in my, I don't know, I don't, I think the city's getting a little bit better, like they're, they're diversifying a little bit more, but it's just another institution. You know, you're still going to have to know the right people, know who and what to, will get you certain things. And, I, and I've gotten grants, like I'm not like against the systems that are offering funding to these people or anything by that matter. I think it's lovely, but I also think that it's, it's a, it's a construct that's always kind of flawed when you're working within a pre-existing capitalistic construct that's flawed. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you're, um, I know that for you and I'm a little bit like this as well. Um, we kind of have to create our own boxes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And we don't necessarily go the traditional route. Like for me, for example, I'm a musician, but I don't necessarily go out and put on concerts and do gigs. Like I have, I do, I have, it's a very different way of like making music. And I know for you with art, it's very similar. Like you have a very different way of doing it, Um, which I think is important and exciting and also needed to like, like you said, challenge 
that sort of streamlined way that we see of doing it that isn't necessarily working. Right. And th- and that's not to say that the work that's being showcased isn't working because it is. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, but there there is this difference. And I've said this, uh, you know, where when money gets involved, yeah. it changes it. Mm-hmm. Not because money is awful, but it's because the systems in which we rely on getting money are not really equitable. Right. Depending on who's give- who's providing the funding yeah. and what their expectations are. And then you have to kind of align with with the guidelines Absolutely. and the, versus being able to just go off and do what it is that that you feel is the way to do this work to bring that message well, yeah. across. I mean, the artist is the one that's mastered the craft. But when we get into positions where we're being asked to do things for a bigger system, our agency kind of gets lost. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I had a friend uh, tell me recently that I should put up my artwork at the Kitchener City Hall and apply to get into their, I think they the have a few galleries there. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I go. I highly doubt that the city of Kitchener would be interested in putting my vaginas up there, though. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? And then, I mean, sure, right? Well, I mean, not really sure. I don't agree with that at all. But like... Um, but there's an agenda, right? And mm-hmm. and that's not just Kitchener. Like, I was at a show in Toronto. Um, you know, you think it's a bigger city and it's got more whatever. And I had uh, I have these pieces that are, I call them magic portals because that is what they are. Um, <laughs> Your vagina. My vagina series. Series, yes. It's now, it's, now, it's now expanded to more orifices in the body. Okay, amazing. <laughs> but the idea of, like, that being a portal into something magical, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, so it isn't just this city. It's most, like, a lot of cities. It's a lot of places, especially in, like, North America. We're a lot more conservative than maybe some other countries but this is this is a global thing right yeah um but I, w- I was i was showing my my pieces there and it was at a public market in in trinity Bullets park west end of toronto heart of like arts and centers and there was a person that came to my tent and said maybe you can put your vaginas on another angle so that you know you can respect the children and the 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 families that are visiting the park and i mean i had a lot of opinions that i could have spouted to that man and I, all i just said was like well i'm not gonna do that and so. of course it's a man telling you this yeah um yeah, of course right so so it's like and that that's that's the whole thing right like where does censorship come in yeah and where does oh, censorship agenda, right like you're censoring the voice and you know my shaman that i worked with um used to tell me he's he passed away but like he used to say like your art is portals to a new dimension and like I always thought he was kind of like what I'm like what is he talking about (laughs) but but I agree I think that art itself is a portal right like you're it's a giving birth to an idea right so you know I've been allowing myself to reach these like you know crazy levels of of almost mania when I'm creating and I do this to create work and then now I'm going to be told whether I can, like, whether it's appropriate or not. Like where you can show it and yeah. what, what age group it can be Absolutely. shown to and... All the things, yeah. right? And if only, for example, like this person that had mentioned something to me in the park, like I have a seven-year-old son who came out of my vagina, actually. Right. So, I mean, he's seen one very closely. <laughs> 
no, but like, and I don't mean to be crass. Yeah. Like, I just mean like, you know, what is, what is normal? What is, what is what we're supposed to see? Like, because is what we've been taught and is the structure that's currently in place actually creating conscientious human citizens? Mm. Right? So maybe it's okay if you talk about the human body in a normalized way. And me going out there and telling people, well, my vaginas should just be shown everywhere. Like, I understand how unrealistic that is. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's not something that maybe could eventually be something that's more commonplace. Does that make sense? Yes. And and I want to go back to the censorship idea, because I think that is an interesting topic that we don't necessarily talk about as artists all that often. It's, it feels a little taboo, like when we talk about censorship. And I love that you've brought in um, that idea of, you know, where following the money and where that censorship lies in. Yeah. And then also like public spaces and where that censorship br- brings in. And I want to, I want to, um, I'll bring in a quote. I usually bring in a quote for these things. Um, I'm going to bring in a quote from feminist songwriter Meredith Tax. And she writes, My eyes have seen the glory of the flame of women's rage, kept smoldering for centuries, now burning in this age. We no longer will be prisoners in that same old gilded cage. That's why we're marching on. And I know your art explores what we were talking about, explores women's bodies, but emotions, including rage. Like you've had your your series with, with the vagina and um, you've also have exper- exhibits exploring the Virgin Mary and the patriarchal like portrayal of that, of her character. And do you feel like this is the age of women? Like, are we breaking out of that gilded cage, that censorship? that we're, we're experiencing and what would a gender revolution look like from your perspective? And that could be from art or just in general, like, where do you see it? That's a good question. I, um, I hope so. Mm -hmm. I do think that evolution will take forever. It's going to take a long time, uh, for things to change because they're so pervasive, but I do think that there is promise because I really believe like in, in teaching students that are, you know, now teenagers, some of them moving into university now, you know, this generation, they, they, they have things to say, Yep. you know, and we should listen to them. I always kind of tell my students that like, we need to listen to you because you are going to take care of us. And if we don't take your views seriously now, then we're, we're screwed. Right. Um, and I think that the the, you know, non-binary pronouns sort of movement that's coming very much into full force is amazing because um, it's forcing us to be uncomfortable. And I think that's where growth happens. So if we're making people uncomfortable with things and if we continue to make people uncomfortable with things, then there is growth and transformation in that. Um, whether that's going to change soon, I don't know what, and the other question was, what is a, what does a re- gender revolution yeah. look like? Good question. Cause, um, um, you know, if we talk about politics, for example, looking at the leadership in anything, uh, that's been sort of for centuries 
driven by a white male agenda, you know, women for centuries have been burned at the stake, literally and now figuratively. You know, you get canceled. You know, look at um, what's the woman who came forward about Harvey Weinstein? She just got blacklisted. What yeah. was her name? Oh. Uh, from Charmed. Yeah. Right. Um, either way. So, you yeah. know, she, she got sort of, you know, and we, we look at like people like Courtney Love or who, who have been connected to, to men with respected roles and not being taken seriously for those things and for talking out, you know, the loud ones, the loud women that I've seen through celebrity, political, like very global stage avenues that are way more brazen about what they've experienced often will get you know you you still have to tiptoe in order for things to change in order for 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 you to keep your podium for you to keep your uh your role otherwise the money follows other people right right so it's less about um it's less about women you know, you just they they just no longer get the funding. They no longer get the accolades. They no longer get the support needed to be taken seriously. So I think that the gender revolution would mean that. Oof, I don't know. Like if we like start, by, that's a great question. Because like you start thinking about like, and I, I'm always going to look at it from like a metaphysical standpoint, right? Where the masculine is about going out and doing and we need we all have the masculine in us right like we are all about like doing things changing the you know the the spreading our seeds metaphorically right and then the divine feminine is about receiving it's about holding space and creating within mm-hmm. but if we're constantly chasing money and chasing Mm. that sort of survival instinct that we're forced into well, how receiving and being passive is going it, it, it it's hard to you don't get funded for that no you don't you can't and make what, a living and, and on that's that. why we get angry mm. because i don't you know i don't i don't want to have to work till midnight and i've said this a million times as to why i've left architecture i don't want to work till like midnight past rendering or detailing a giant high-rise condo for some person in a development company that's going to make gajillions off of me staying there and not being there with my family and being home and taking care of myself right Mm -hmm. but that's what I have to do if I got I gotta like earn my stripes right and it's similar with artists too right because we're we're gigging you know it's always like a gigging world out there it's not like it's very rare that you'll find an artist that could just do it find a full-time job somebody hire them and pay them to just do their art and what's the work that they're doing at that point and who are who's paying it what like and that's not to say that that work is bad because it's not it's probably great Mm -hmm. but there's still agendas involved yeah right and so it's like you're kind of forced into this survival instinct where you have to constantly say yes because you don't know when the next paycheck's going to come in. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, like I, I'm creating my own work. I'm still doing it, but I'm also like my mental health is gone. Like mm. there's so many things there that I think are problematic and how that can change is like serious revolution. I think like I'm, I'm a little bit of an anarchist that way. So. <laughs> That's why we get along. That's right. I think so too, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, I mean, the only way that that can change is through serious, pervasive uprooting. Like, okay. 
And I think it's hard to do it within the systems. And I tip my hat to those trying because it's hard. It yeah. is so hard. I really believe in like a grassroots movement. I refuse to publish anything that I've made within a giant publishing house for that reason. Just because I just like I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not really trying to get financial gain with my work. If it happens, that's amazing because it's always great. Yeah. Uh, to 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 receive that kind of uh, abundance, but. I think, like, I prefer to just keep it within and out of all that stuff and just dip your foot in to survive. That's kind of how, how I've kind of gone about it, which is so scary to, to think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, you probably, like, as many of the artists that I've been talking to likely have another job that you do yeah. on the side of your art. Yeah. Um, especially for you, who is really, you're, you're, you really are trying to stay out of the box of, of like systems and Well, I won't do anything. No one can tell me to do anything. Right. Like, I'm just too stubborn about it. And that like, and for better, for worse, right. For better, yeah. for worse. Cause there's, there's a, there's a flip, flip, flip side to that too. So yeah, I want to keep doing my work for me cause I need to mental for my mental health. I need to. So, and you share it in the ways that, that makes feels good for you that doesn't compromise your like your street art happens and I know that you go to like different shows and festivals and you like participate yeah because you have to share your work yes right like I feel like it's one thing to to make it but it's it's important to to share it and I I have to find a way to do it that works and sometimes it works in galleries and sometimes it doesn't and that's okay and sometimes it works in parks and sometimes it doesn't (laughs) sometimes it doesn't yeah exactly right um but yeah you have to baby's gotta eat yeah you know like and it sucks like I wish I didn't like I've tried it I, I when I left different uh careers um in the past like I tried to just like okay I'm just gonna focus on my art and that's when I kind of came to the realization that well I have to do x y and z like you know I have a I have a I have a son I have a mortgage yeah yeah and it's just a testimony I think to I mean we saw it through the pandemic especially right what what how people valued art and artists it was like that that was the sector that was kind of forgotten during the pandemic yeah and like we've and but then we realized that oh my goodness we actually like when when we could go back to concerts we can go back to galleries we realized oh this was like actually important this is like how we this we is important for, for our survival. mental health yeah. but like when it comes to push came to shove it was like the first thing that fell off like supporting and 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 trying to fund like during a pandemic and and it yeah. was very sickly a free for all and I think that says a lot about we don't value arts we don't val we don't actually in the systems that we teach our children in our education system it is not holistic like no you it's know? an elective it's like a yeah it's like the fun subject you do on the side and the teachers are not even trained in it you know what i mean mm. like you know like math and english if you have to kind of take that stuff seriously because it's the real stuff um and to a degree, I th- it is serious. It's important to know those things. Um, but it's equally as important to understand how to think creatively, how to problem solve, how to imagine new futures, how to, you know, physical activity too. The gym, gym and physical activity is a whole other one, right? So everything that's not within those sort of core. streamlined core subjects becomes auxiliary 
Um, and the only reason they're auxiliary is because we haven't put focus into them. Right. Because if we start to actually have a holistic approach to education, to everything, um, of course, the decision makers are going to take away money from the arts because they've been told for centuries that it's not. Yeah, that's a whole other revolution, whole I think. Revolution. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think the gender revolution and the art artistic revolution there's there's a lot of revolutions that yeah we just need to uproot everything yeah i think the pandemic really like busted open a lot of a lot of things yeah the cracks that we weren't looking at right or that we could avoid looking at for a really long time until it was kind of put in front of our faces but then we come back out of it and we're back into full force but we're back to normal right everybody every i've had that i've had that commentary said to me and i've had these conversations so much where you know, I always, I always kind of use the analogy of like Mother Nature put us on a timeout, right? <laughs> and then we, we like come that. back in, and it's like it never happened. Yeah, and but then now, like the world's on fire. So it's kind of like, so it's kind of like when we put our kids in timeout, and we hope that they, <laughs> they, we hope that they actually learn something from this timeout, <laughs> from this timeout moment. I like to feel like we have some hope afterwards, and that there has been changes. I do think so, but I do like I. It's slow. You're right. Slow and like. I know with, especially with the environment, like that is, has so much urgency to it. Um, and I feel like we've sort of glazed over that importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the part that ner- makes me nervous as a mother. Cause you know, I'm hoping, you know, I see my son who's a creative, like wild child, <laughs> um, working through these systems that I know are not going to get how lovely certain parts of his personality are or, like what he might be interested in because it, he needs to fit into a box. He needs to learn how to be a student in the systems. Yeah, I know. Having children just kind of really pushes you to... To really uh, look at things very objectively, like, wait yeah. a second. Like, yeah. what is actually going... But, I mean, like I said, like it's going to take time and we're going to evolve. I'm hoping that we are going to evolve. And I hope it's not too late. I really hope it's not too late and that too many people don't get, like, you know, demoralized and systemically traumatized as a result. <laughs> I think I think that's just naturally what's going to happen. But, yes, I'm with you in terms of I, I have hope that, um, you know, people have seen some of those cracks, like you said, during the pandemic and have seen sort of the need for change. And I, I do feel that our that our young, like our next generation of people are asking a lot of questions and not just accepting Absolutely. things. Well, I, I remember having a conversation with my, well, I used, so I used to be a high school teacher in a public school board. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, the students were going to strike. And I don't know if you remember this, they were going to have like a walkout. Yeah. And we were instructed by our union to not like take a side with them like that's what okay. we were told because because that's these things right? right these are all these like agendas sponsorship all the things right so my students were in class and they know that they knew at the time that i'm a bit of a a bit of a anarchist free thinker anarchist however it's okay you we can mention. just label it <laughs> we don't uh, like labels but i mean sometimes we need sometimes labels. we need them yeah <laughs> and they said miss calfakis like what do you think about us walking out and I said, I think that if you see something wrong, then you should say something. Oh, I love that. So however you choose to take that advice, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like calling things out, 
Um, and, you know, we do get into this cancel culture that can, of course, be problematic. Oh, yes. But it is also important to, 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 to listen and to hear alternative views and really kind of step out of our own egos and not get uh, be so fragile about it and say, like, OK, wait, where is this? Is this a problem? Am I contributing? Am I am I bypassing am i just being a, a bystander all those kind of things yeah i think that as we continue like you said these, these, these this younger generation calling people out and making everybody uncomfortable keep doing it elfie thank you so much for this conversation like i'm loving that we went down that route of really exploring um that sort of idea of censorship and and how that is impacted by the capitalistic way that we have to function as artists and the challenge we have especially as women in men's spaces trying to like make that difference while walking on eggshells and and trying to trying to fit in the box so we can we can make do the work within the system so like the ways that we can explore working outside the systems and like how artists do that really well because they're so creative like artists are just really creative at gigging and figuring out things that they basically yeah it's that's um thank you so much um before i go please tell our listeners what's on the horizon for you what they can they look out for and then of course we're going to include information about how to reach you in the show notes as well but like just let listeners know what's going on what's next um, yeah, what's next for me? I have always have like a million projects on the go. <laughs> um, so I'm currently working on a series for Rogers that I might turn into like a bigger um, show that's like a performative performance um, ritual that involves stop motion and uh, sensory exploration. So that is on the horizon, along with uh, another poetry publication I'm hoping to work through. And I recently kind of really launched my my studio space in Kitchener, which is a kids and adult space where magic and art are incorporated. So I'm really excited to kind of sink my teeth into that and let that kind of grow a little bit as well. So and you host classes like people can sign up for classes. Yeah, we and... do classes for kids and teens and adults, and that's always kind of related to. Something mystical, you know, we do we have, have like a myths and monsters class for little kids <laughs> That's um, and just kind of, you know, exploring different kind of fun stuff that I, I like and I think uh, everybody kind of benefits from and, it, and it's really around, centered around play, really. That's awesome because I feel like as an adult, we we stop playing. Yeah, we forget. Hey. Yeah. Totally. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great that you more. give that. I agree. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, Alfie, thanks you. Thank you so much for coming in and having this conversation with thanks me. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. And then yes, we'll definitely link up all that information in the show notes. And until next time. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. To learn more about how to connect with our guests, as well as resources mentioned during the episode, check out the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast and are a woman local to the region of Waterloo looking for a safe place to release your anger, check out our Facebook group, Screaming Into the Void Waterloo Region. The link is in the show notes as well. Don't forget to tune in for our next episode as we continue to explore the journey of women in the arts.